Welcome to the Legendarium. Today, Craig and Ryan and newcomer Meg discuss Jessica Jones, the Netflix series which debuted in 2015. This conversation could go on for a while, so strap in and enjoy. Welcome back to the Legendarium Podcast, Jessica Jones, Take Two. Uh, welcome back, Ryan. Thank you so much. You know, it's take two uh, because I don't know why. Technical issues. It got erased. Uh, so we have the, well, not the whole gang back from last week, but me and Ryan, of course. I'm Craig Hanks, your host. Uh, and Meg is with us. Say hello, Meg. Hello. Uh, you don't know Meg yet, although I wish you did because she was on last week. <laughs> it was fantastic, and I promise you nothing of that level will appear this week. Uh, Meg Meg Walter is the purveyor of TV and Jelly, which you can find at tvjelly.com. It is, uh, it is a TV commentary website, I guess I would call it. Sure, let's is call that, it that. Yeah, and it's hilarious. Stop it. Yes, it is. No, it is hilarious. Um, I have been an admirer of Meg's writing for years, years and years and years. And so when the new Shannara series uh, premiered, I emailed Meg and said, hey, can I mock your style of reviewing a show or recapping a show? And she said, yes. And so I did. And so if you want to see my uh, very sarcastic recaps of the Shannara Chronicles, go to tvjelly.com. And if you're not that interested in that, then go read Meg's recaps of The Bachelor, which are off the charts. I'm going to tell you right now, if you are at all like me and think of The Bachelor as part of what is degrading society entirely to its core... This is hilarious. Oh, my it's gosh. It's so worth the read. It's, it's a bit like when I watched The Soup. Uh, or it, that Soup is over. Did they? Yeah, I think The Soup ended, I think right? it's ended. But anyway, mm-hmm. a show like that, I guess. It's the only reason that I like that reality TV exists was so that The Soup could make fun of it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, it's a similar thing. Like, I, I wish that The Bachelor and Bachelorette would would just die a violent death. Not the people, but the shows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, as long as they don't, I am very happy to read these recaps. I um, care about what's happening to Olivia and Lace now. I, Lace is gone. Lace is gone, dude. The what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I must have missed the end of that. My heart is broken. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a shattered man. As well it should be. No! <laughs> she was the best. She was um, the best face. Pop, pop quiz question for Meg. Uh, there's a recurring object every season, nearly every episode, it seems like, uh, of both shows. And every time it comes up, you seem to get really grossed out. Do you know what I'm talking about? I seem to get really grossed out? Yeah, at this at this recurring thing that shows up. Alcohol? No, hot tubs. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> they're disgusting. <laughs> it's so uh, gross. It's, uh, it's the best. A You're random just... hot tub has sprouted in a field. Oh, <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, I like. I don't watch the show, but your last recap was hilarious. They're in the middle of... Uh, it wasn't even like a farm, was no, it? It was, it was just, just like a an field. ugly dead field. Like, I don't know when they filmed, but it wasn't the height of vegetation. Like, it yeah. was dead. <laughs> and then there's a hot tub by this, like, dead tree. It's like, wow, height of romance. It Wonderful. Was... Let's hop into this hot tub someone's peed in. I'm sure eventually. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Someone's peed in this hot tub. I well, with how drunk all these women are getting. Right? Like, can you imagine the hot tub at the they're Bachelor all, Mansion? They're all drinking at What's 730 What's floating in around morning? in there? It's I'm, not water anymore. It's not, and I know there's chemicals, but like, how good of a job can they be doing? <laughs> oh my gosh! And that's our Jessica Jones recap, everybody. <laughs> yeah, seriously, uh, you know, we we probably Ryan, you ought to write up something on Jessica Jones for uh, TVJelly.com. Oh, you've you've been committed. It's on. It's recorded. <laughs> it's on record now. now. Yeah. I expect to it on my desk on Monday. On Monday. All right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I can't mock this one. Someone will hunt me down and kill me. You know, you know, Marvel you fans. Have, you are. don't have to mock it. Yeah, there yeah I kind of do. <laughs> you've got five or six contributors, and and a couple of them are pretty earnest. Yeah, about Aaron it, right? does a really good job of actually putting thought into what she writes, which is admirable. And we have foreign to you and me. Yeah, that, right. is not, <laughs> that is not my wheelhouse. <laughs> I'm like, whoa! You really thought this through. Um, yeah, we have some contributors who do a really good job yeah. covering shows they actually enjoy. Hmm. So. Yeah, what would that be like? I actually, to be perfectly honest, I do enjoy the Shannara Chronicles. Um, I'm just, I'm kind of 
old and cynical enough now where it's like, yeah, I enjoy it, but I can't help but see everything, that, not everything, but just about everything that's wrong with it. And there's plenty. So I do have a lot of fun mocking it. Uh, well, before we move on to Jessica Jones, uh, indulge me for just another moment for a few housekeeping things. Um, as a quick reminder to those of you who have been listening for a while, uh, we are in 2016 doing our year of Brandon Sanderson. Uh, we will be recording 10 podcasts about, no, at least 10, at least probably, 10. probably more like 12 or 13 podcasts about 10 different Brandon Sanderson books. Uh, we've already done the Mistborn trilogy, uh, so if you haven't listened to those, obviously uh, we recommend that. They are amazing. Read the books first because we spoil everything. Uh, but then we'll be doing 10 more books this year, and we would love for you to join in. If you do, go to our website, thelegendariumpodcast.com, and uh, click on the giant Brandon Sanderson reading challenge link that you see there, or you can go straight to worldswithoutend.com, which is where we are hosting this little reading challenge, and we appreciate their assistance with this. Uh, the other bit of housekeeping, later this year in April... Uh, I, Craig, I'm speaking, Craig, I will be heading to Sweden. Uh, around, I think it's in mid-April sometime. I forgot the date. Uh, but I know we have quite a few of you in Sweden listening. Uh, I don't know why, but I love it that you are listening. And so if any of you would like to uh, get lunch or something, that would be amazing. And I, I will tell you right happen. now, nobody back here will pay money to get him back if you try and ransom him back here. <laughs> This isn't Mexico. I'm not going to Mexico. I don't know. Taken happened in France. It, it could happen. I mean, and you don't have Liam Neeson for a father. I'm you, sorry. You don't know that. Do they have Ikea meatballs in Sweden? You uh, you'd better believe it. Yeah. In fact, when, while we're there, so we're going to be in Stockholm mostly um, and a little bit in Uppsala. But anyway, near Stockholm, they have the, you know, that's where Ikea was right. born. So yeah. they have the world's largest Ikea there. And you'd better believe I'm spending half a day. At Ikea. Half a day? I don't know. Oh, like two Half days. a day just to figure out how to get back out of <laughs> <Right>? the store. <laughs> exactly. How am I in bedroom again? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, hit me up if anybody in Sweden. Or, you know, I could be persuaded to take a train to Oslo, I got to say. I would love to go there. So, anyway, all right, let's move on. Uh, you guys want to talk about Jessica Jones? Yes. A little bit. Just a little. So bad. So bad it hurts. Again. All right. Um, uh, shall I do my recap again on take two? You guys ready for this? I'm ready. All right. Jessica Jones is a superhero show with a giant asterisk. Jessica's hero status remains a question mark, really, through the end of the first season, even with herself. As for the super part, the writers here have followed a paraphrased version of Brandon Sanderson's second rule, that a hero's limitations are more interesting than his or her capabilities. In Jessica Jones, things get really interesting when characters' limitations are imposed not just by arbitrary author's rules, but by the other characters. This show seems to be all about power and control, but despite a thousand shallow think pieces on Jezebel, this is not exactly about male power, though that does play a part. In fact, almost all of the women we see are in positions of real power. Jessica's is physical, Trisha's cultural, Jaron Hogarth's is intellectual, and even the crazy twin Robin has power that is emotional. Ultimately, in the case of both the men and the women, their power is shown to be not illusory exactly, but certainly transitory. Their powers are manipulated, negated, or even used against them. Now, I hedged earlier when I said that Jessica Jones seems to be all about power and control because it goes even deeper than that. Like all the best stories, this ultimately gets us thinking about many aspects of human relationships. We all may be powerful in our own way, but love, friendship, respect, compassion, these are the principles that keep us from turning power into control. Unfortunately, though, not everyone will show compassion or respect, so the show asks two more central questions. First, what do you do when someone takes away your power? And second, what do you do when you get it back? So, uh, what do you guys think? At the end of the show, did Jessica do the right thing? Spoiler alert, everybody, spoiler alert. When she killed Kilgrave, did she handle regaining her power the right way? I think so. Yeah? I don't think that the world could continue with Kilgrave being alive. I think that he was so good at manipulating everyone around him. The only way 
to stop him was to kill him. Yeah, I might agree. Ryan, what do you think? I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to say that Jessica had no other option, um, especially being that if she had not killed him, she basically would have been sacrificing her best friend to him. Sure. Because and, and everybody else there on the dock, right? Pretty much. And what else was she going to do? She couldn't use the justice system because you could control the minds of the judge and the jury. And I mean, there's just no way that he would ever get what he deserved. Yeah. It reminds me of the end of uh, season three of Sherlock. Do you watch Sherlock? Yeah, but I don't remember the end of season three. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sherlock he- shoots the guy in the head. Yeah. I'm a high-functioning sociopath. Get it right. Merry Christmas. Boom! Same thing. So the guy, yeah, the guy on Sherlock, he controls all the media and everything. I think he's supposed to be like a Rupert Murdoch Is it uh, Moriarty? character. It's not Moriarty. No. Maybe I missed season three. I think you missed season three. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Spoiler alert. That's okay. Anyway, but yeah, it's a similar thing. Well, this guy controls everything, and so we can't let the justice system take its course. And so, yeah, I don't know. Uh I'm I'm of two minds. I totally agree with you guys. Like, what else was she gonna do? But on the other hand, you know, there's that there's that little part of you that's like, well, killing is killing. So I don't know. Isn't it like killing Hitler though? I, I yeah. guess <laughs> maybe Hitler wasn't nearly so charming in person. I hear. But what if? What? Wait, I thought he was. I, I thought that was part of the thing. Was like he was really captivating in public. Oh, okay, I see. So yeah. in personal relationships, he was a right. He was a bit of a pill. A pill. <laughs> One might say <laughs> had a bit of a temper. Uh, what were you going to say, Ryan? I don't know. I got caught up in the Hitler talk. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love Hitler talk. Oh my gosh, it's the best. Uh, is Kilgrave worse than Hitler? Go. Oh, that's a good one. Um, is Kilgrave worse than Hitler? I was actually no. kidding, but I want you to answer it now. I no. actually had a question while I was watching it. Did Hitler ever himself kill anyone? That's a good question. I, I'm sure he must have, but I don't know. What's the rule about the internet that it only takes so long to the get the discussions Godwin about Hitler? Godwin something? I think it's yeah. the Godwin rule. We have fallen victim, <laughs> fallen prey to the Godwin theory. Immediately, <laughs> right off the bat. You can get to Hitler within like 20 <laughs> seconds or six steps of any conversation. Yeah, it took us 11 minutes, you guys. That's impressive. But admittedly, we talked about something else for like eight of them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, okay, enough Hitler. Screw that guy. But to answer your question, Kilgrave is worse, or Kilgrave is not worse than Hitler because while he did leave a trail of blood behind, he also didn't murder six million Jews. Yeah, pretty much. We're going to go with that. We're going to go completely on quantity here rather than quality. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, okay, so we've talked about the ending a little bit. Let's uh, rewind and talk about the beginning. How'd you guys like the beginning of this? Did it grab your attention or did it take a while to get going? The pilot, I was watching the pilot with my husband and we were both like, meh. Because the writing's a little... <laughs> I'm sorry, you were both what? You were both 1920s film noir cops? <laughs> Seal my mouth. See? I'm not really caring for this, honey. See? <laughs> I was going like, meh. Again. And I just, we weren't feeling it. The writing's not... My favorite, the dialogue's a little campy, a little hammy, but you get to that. I'm sure I don't know what you mean. (laughs) You get to the end in the elevator with Hope and the gun, and we were like, holy shiz, this is a show we're going to watch, and we're going to watch it all right now. In case you guys didn't catch that, that was holy shiz. Uh, We're broadcasting from Salt Lake City. Thank you very much. (laughs) Sorry. In Utah, you almost have to bleep that anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, the ending was was uh, nuts. In fact, I went back and watched the pilot uh, to prepare for this podcast and thought the same thing because I knew it was coming. But all the same, when you get to that moment, even the second time around, I just lost my mind. It was such a good turn TV-wise. I mean, obviously it was terrible and horrible and evil and all that stuff, but uh, such good storytelling. Well, it, it changed a... What could have started out with the series being every episode, Jessica has a problem to solve. She solves it, end of episode type deal, you know, or she struggles, she solves it type deal. Right. We got to the end of this one, and we're like, oh, she solved it. And then she gives you the smile, she turns. It's like, oh, no, we're in this for the long haul in terms of this is going to be messed up yeah. from now until the end. Um, I will say that what kept me going at the beginning, because I had a similar feeling, I just didn't really... Weren't feeling it. I wasn't feeling this strong drive to 
or this investment in the series. And I didn't know if it was because there wasn't a character that I really identified with yet. Um, or if I wasn't really feeling like I, that story or the, or the genre of noir isn't one that I really care for. There was a number of different reasons that were working against me liking Jessica Jones. Yeah, like what? The things I just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but what I, I had this hope that it was going that was, there was going to be something that caught me. There was going to be something there, and it had moments that shined through at the you know earlier on. The the moment with Hope in the elevator was was shocking, and it was enough to say, okay, there's definitely going to be some some good plot twists, some things going on here. But it wasn't until we got a little bit further into the series and Jessica started to come out of herself and become a little more of the hero, get back into being a little more of hero esque. I just don't do well like watching brooding people on TV the whole time. Like if I wanted to watch that, I'd hop on and see reality television. Oh no, they like don't that. brood; they stew in hot tubs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> stew. That was tip. that was awesome. I'm so clever. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Dad. That's the word. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I feel like I derailed you. Was there more? Not anymore. Not after that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So I felt. I mean, I've already talked about the pilot, but I have to say when I watched the pilot, it then it didn't really suck me in. Even after that, it was it was a few episodes later. In fact, I think it was after she was done with Luke Cage for the first time. They kind of, you know, they were kind of on and off again for the whole 10 episodes. The first time they went off again, I went, okay, now I can watch the show. Mm -hmm. I had a tough time with him and with their relationship. What did you guys think? Why did you have a tough time with him? I'm not sure exactly. Uh, I, In fact, I thought about it for a little while, trying to come up with what I would say to just that question. Uh, so I probably shouldn't have even brought it up. <laughs> but, but I don't have a great answer. There was something about the performance or the way that they wrote the character. You want to talk about brooding. Luke Cage is brooding. You know, it, and, and it just didn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. Um, either that or I'm a horrible, horrible racist. Uh, that's probably it. Yeah. There's, probably a, there's a chance of combination there. Flip a coin. Um. <laughs> I mean, I, I like him as an actor. I've always liked him yeah. on The Good Wife. So maybe I was a little biased. I yeah, which I've, I've never, this is my first time seeing him that I can remember. Um, so handsome too. So maybe I was blinded by. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a handsome the, dude. The face and the body. Um, I, I, I do think that we should not date people whose spouses we've murdered i think that That's it's a, a good, fraught relationship it's a good rule of thumb right yeah I, I, just I think feel of like the rom-coms that you'd be killing off that happened i mean <laughs> return to me return to me it's gone takes a really dark turn <laughs> if you if you were to recut that as a horror film that mini driver like killed the wife and took the heart you know <laughs> and ate it and or? then and then dated the husband i mean this she becomes a very sick character all of a sudden wow wow this speaking of taking a turn <laughs> My gosh. We just turned return this to me. This podcast really got away from me quick. I don't know what happened here. Uh, we were talking about Luke Cage. Luke Cage, yes. I don't necessarily know that I... Let me rephrase that without the redundancy. I don't know that I would agree with Luke Cage being brooding yet at the beginning. I oh, think he really? does get a little broody, and understandably so, once Jessica... Tells him the truth. Tells him the truth. I don't know that that's brooding. I think that's, that's justified anger. Yeah, yeah that's, that's just, I would say he was brooding before, not after. I don't say I don't necessarily know that I feel that he's brooding because he's moving on with life and he's doing other things. He's just uh, just doesn't want anyone into that part of his life. He's not sitting there going, "Man, my life is so hard. I just I don't know what to do." I mean, he's he's open to. I guess I just can't uh, even at the end of the especially at the end of the this season of Jessica Jones, I can't imagine the guy cracking a joke ever. About, Does she, though? Well, yeah, she's really, like, sarcastic. And so it's more it's more really dark humor. It's not ha-ha funny. Yeah. It's more, like, satisfying that internal demon funny, yeah. which I love because I have, like, eight. Never only, only eight? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but but this guy is going to get his own series, Luke Cage is. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have to admit I'm a little worried about it just because I didn't connect that well with the character. I'm still going to watch the thing, but uh, but I'm worried about it. I'll yeah. watch it. Yeah, I, I'm not I would watch him sit in a chair for three hours. Of <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely concerned about the Luke Cage series having to deal, deal with that. And it's mainly because they have done a fantastic thing with 
Jessica Jones in telling Luke Cage's story is they've already given us enough of an origin story. They don't have to retell it too much in, in his next series. So we don't have to deal with him in his brooding phase, if you want to call it. We can let him, we can let him pick up from his, where the relationship with him and Jessica ends in this series or somewhere relative to that. Yeah. Have you read the comic books? No. For Luke Cage? No, I haven't read that or one. Or for yet. Jessica Jones? No. I have read some of the Jessica Jones, uh, some of the comics when she, I've read a couple of her earlier ones when she was Jewel, and I read a couple of the ones after this came like out. Like Jewel Jones? No, she her, her superhero name was uh, okay. Jewel, if I remember right. Um, but yeah, when she, there's actually one moment in the series where I think Trish pulls out a costume and shows it to her. She's like, what am I supposed to do with that? And it's her jewel costume. Oh, it's what it? she okay. would have. It's what she wore in the comics. Um, yeah, I did not get that. But I have read a little bit of uh, the Jessica Jones, and they read more. Uh, it's more like a detective comic than it is a similar to the, like a Captain America or other style. Okay, much like so, the show. Then. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, if you follow the Jessica Jones series, anything like that. It's it is very much centered around her after failing to be a superhero. Oh, okay, and it. And she does feel that she failed at being a superhero. She has a baby eventually, right? She and Luke Cage get married. Um, I don't. Spoiler alert. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. You look sorry. Well, I was born that way. Um, Yowza. They get married. I don't remember if they have a kid or not. I know Trish becomes Power Girl eventually. Power Girl. That's a terrible name. That is horrible. Or no, no, not Power Girl. Sorry. Captain Marvel. I know. There, oh, okay. There's like five people whose aneurysms I just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> she takes the place of Captain Marvel, who is an incredibly awesome uh, superhero. If you like if you like female superheroes, she's great. This is where we really miss Todd. Uh, miss you, buddy. Because he knows everything about everything if it was colored on a page. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like a child that way. Uh, but yeah, he would have known all that stuff and would have avoided many, you know, exploded heads. So, Todd, in, if you want to write up what we're wrong about, you know, <laughs> and put, post an article and we'll link it to this episode. I guess anybody's will, will, welcome to do that. I can talk. I know what words are. Yeah, I don't know if we want to open this podcast up to rebuttal. We'll never get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I had things to say. Oh, Meg, you said something and it made me go, I want to ask you about that. Oh, boy. But, did you read the, the comics? No. <laughs> Do it, would the three of us like to hot tub together sometime? <laughs> I'm going to take a hard pass. <laughs> Thanks, though. Uh, wow. No I, haven't been, I haven't been rejected by a woman since, like, Tuesday. It's not you. It's the hot tub. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, did you read the comics? Is that why you asked? No, no. I, uh, I'm you, you a little say- obnoxious when I'm watching television. Um, I always look up the Wikipedia page for mm-hmm. the show because... I like to know who the actors are and where they came from. And the image attached to the Wikipedia page was Jessica Jones with what looked like Luke Cage's baby. So oh, nice. I assumed that they had a happy ending or somewhat happy ending, as happy as Jessica Jones can be, I guess. So. Well, based on episode one, that's not they that do. Happy. I mean, I, I don't necessarily know that happily ever after is exactly what you'd ever describe with her and Luke. But I do think that they do have a happier ending. Well, uh, good. Well, speaking of watching somebody sit in a chair for three hours, and uh, also speaking of... This is going to be a terrible transition already. Captain, Captain Marvel. No, Trish. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've talked about a few characters. Don't worry, we'll get to the good ones soon, you guys. Hang on. Uh, Trish was maybe my favorite character in the show uh, for a few different reasons. Did you guys like her? Or yeah. did she did she annoy you in the way that Luke Cage mildly annoyed me? No, I actually... Th- for me, Trish was one of the m- most, uh, I don't want to use the word interesting. She was the most. Why not? She was very interesting. <laughs> because it's not what I wanted to, it's not the, it's not the <laughs> word to describe what I'm feeling. Uh, she had one of the, mo- the. I'll do your speaking for you. It's thank cool. you. The most depth. Yeah. She. I definitely feel like we got, for her being a supporting character and not your lead, that there was so much to her and what she was in terms of deciding, you know, to protect herself. And when she decides to, you know, that she has to take the pill to take down Nuke or his Wait, name's Will. but Will. Yeah. It, does he have a comic book name? Nuke. Nuke. Yeah. Like, yeah, that just reminds me of Duke Nukem. Essentially the same character. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Uh, now I'm on board. 
But yeah, I mean, there's there's so many moments in the in the show where you look at her and you're like, hey, I can relate to that because I'm not a superhero, but I have to deal with things that are bigger than me. And you can't run like you can't just run away or expect someone else to step in. And she doesn't. She takes she takes it on herself and says, hey, I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to build a safe room. I'm going to go ahead and fall apart when someone tries to kill me, but I'm going to come out of it. Yeah. yeah, her. Um, so she builds the safe room and learns some kind of super karate judo thing. Do you remember what it was that she learned? It's probably like a hybrid of Krav Maga and yeah. some other. Uh, but that was all. If if I remember the show correctly, if I caught it all right, she got into that stuff after Jessica's first encounter with Kilgrave. Is that right? Like she sees what Jessica went through and says, uh, like, I, I'm not going to be a victim because I saw what my best friend just went through. So then she learns martial arts and builds the I don't safe remember if that's what that causes stuff. it or if it's um, her coming out of her abusive relationship with her mother. Yeah, because Jessica sees her bruises and says, is your mom back? So uh, I wondered if that was the reason. Okay. Yeah, maybe. It was unclear. I was confused because it was never well explained why she had that safe room or was learning whatever it was she was learning. And you know what? That's okay. I uh, sorry. This is a quick aside. It's okay for us to be a little confused and have to go back and put connect dots, put things together. Uh, Meg might know this a little bit, but I'm so annoyed with the Shannara Chronicles right now because everything, everything is spelled out all the time. Mm-hmm. At no point are we ever given any sort of mystery. It drives me crazy. The Bachelor, on the other hand, <laughs> super never deep, know. highly so mysterious. complex. Complicated characters <laughs> left and right. Um, anyway, so Trish, she, like I say, she's probably my favorite character because she's just as smart and capable and determined as everyone else in the and show. And hot. She's it. so hot. She's so hot. She's so hot. She makes me want to cry. Uh, but she is relatively powerless compared to her best friend, Jessica, and this bad guy who she knows is out there. And she feels like she has no control. So... Um, I, I I think the writers had a really great stroke of genius when her with her when they uh, when they built her up and said she's this really tough woman and she knows uh, you know how to kick some butt and then halfway through or you know it may, might have even been episode two or three she gets attacked by Will and he just he just kicks her butt he's twice her size he throws her down on the ground just about kills her. And, you know, so I I feel like as a writer, it might be tempting to say, all right, she's going to be this totally capable and bad a feminist character or whatever, whatever that word means in this context. Uh, But then so it would be tempting to take all that and say, so she's going to get tested and she's going to really show how much butt she can kick. Mm -hmm. And instead they said, no, she was no match for this other person in this situation, no matter how hard she tried. Like that's that's truly terrifying. Well, that, and that's kind of how we all are, right? So what do you mean? I mean, like, I have so many causes that I want, <laughs> I want to take up as like I'm no match, you know. I I have no control, and I think she was kind of a symbol for really you have no control over mm-hmm. evil. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good way to put it. I think that she's a good example, and each character does it differently in this series um if you ever go and listen to authors speak about the process of writing books at like a you know a a con of some kind or whatever they will frequently reference what's called the try fail cycle um where the character has to keep trying to accomplish something and they'll fail and they'll keep doing it and you just keep going through this cycle of trying and failing until you finally like getting published yeah until you finally actually achieve what you're looking, what your your goal is. That's why the journey is so interesting is watching them try and then fail and try and then fail. Um, if they succeeded the whole way through, it wouldn't be interesting. Um, but Trish is one of the try-fail cycles in the series that you can, I think that for most people they can relate to probably more so than others in the sense of being able, you know, yes, someone came in and I have prepared myself to, to defend myself and I've done the best I can. I still lost. Well, she comes back and she goes and she challenges Kilgrave on the air. Like she calls him out on the air. Like she doesn't let these things completely knock down. She goes back and tries again. And she pretty much until the end, uh, when she takes the pills, like she doesn't ever actually win out entirely because she has to apologize. She apologizes on air to Kilgrave and she keeps trying. She keeps failing. But the fact is that she kept going 
Whereas you would watch a character like Jessica. She has failed and she's happy sitting and failing, but she keeps trying because she's the only one who can. Like there's each of their cycles. If you just compare them all, they're all a little different. Yeah. And they're all a interesting. I just think Jessica's or that uh, Trisha's is one of the most relatable. Okay. Okay. Um, unrelatable character. Crazy neighbor lady Robin. She was the worst. I loved that character. Couldn't stand her at the beginning. Obviously, we're not supposed to. Um, and then by the end, I love that they made her uh, still completely bat poop crazy. But you go, yeah, you're all right. Salt Lake City again. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, but but I so I didn't I didn't necessarily like her at the end, but I under I I understood her and I cheered for her at the end. Does that make sense? I I only had. I mean, she was a she's a crazy character. I only had one real issue with her, and that was that the writers at the end decided to make her all of a sudden the greatest motivational speaker in the series, <laughs> and she motivates all these people to go take down Jessica, you know, in the diner. Say, what has she done for you? And all of a sudden, they all get up like, yeah, let's go take on the superhuman. It's like, you have been, you have not done anything like that to well, merit. I don't know about that because she's really emotionally manipulative and abusive with her twin brother before mm-hmm. he is removed quite forcefully from the series right mm-hmm. so I, I it doesn't feel like that much of a stretch to me yeah i didn't think twice about that i don't know why you liked her i never liked her i i i don't it's not like hey i'd love to sit down and have dinner with you no it was i liked the character mm-hmm. i don't know she was i mean they did a good job making her very hateable <laughs> yeah because i really hated her <laughs> Uh, should we go on to everybody's favorite, the one that we could spend another thirty minutes on? Or do Bef- you want to before we hit Kilgrave? I know you'll want to touch brief. Let me rephrase that again. <laughs> I know you'll want to discuss briefly Hogarth. Oh uh, yeah, because we forgot her last time. Last time. Uh, <laughs> Hogarth, who Hogarth and Hope, one of the most disturbing relationships out of out of Kilgrave and Jessica yeah. in the series. Wait, Hope yeah. is Hope, Hope is Schlotman. This, Hope Schlotman is the secretary who she is. No, no, no. no. Hope, Hope Schlotman oh, sorry. killed her the parents. Not Hope. Um, oh, I don't remember. I can't the think one of it. with the cleavage. Every time <laughs> I was like, She's, you're a professional in a law office. You cannot wear those clothes. Oh, dude. You can when you your boss to, likes it. You apparently. need to spend more time in law offices. Well, uh, I... Yeah, maybe you should see the men I see wearing stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Double standard. No, I, uh, I I worked in a bank at the bottom floor of a, a one of the high rise office buildings here in Salt Lake, and it was just nothing but law offices for seventeen floors above me, and uh, yeah, some of the secretaries that would come in to make deposits and, and stuff. You, I had the same thought, like, really? Wait, really? Like they oh, really yeah. wore? I mean, like they that? weren't like the the difference is they weren't models and movie stars you know yeah. it, so it's it wasn't quite so arresting as it might be with someone <laughs> yeah. of her physical caliber <laughs> uh, but but still it's like well geez you're you're out there anyway i feel like we're really getting sidetracked <laughs> by by boobs here <laughs> which exactly happens more often than i would like to admit but hogarth her character um you talked about especially in your little uh synopsis Intro. at the beginning you talked about how she had intellectual power, um, and she is very representative of of one style of power and what happens uh, when it's abused. Abused, yeah. yeah. Because uh, you have the you know physical strength and everything that's representative through Jessica and uh, an emotional and you could say spiritual mental strength in her character as well that she also steals from Trish. Well. The intellectual side of the manipulation is Hogarth in this. Like entirely, she's you know she's always out for her, right? right there, in the way that she deals with her relationship with her doctor, uh, wife, girlfriend, whatever they were. I think they're wife. yeah, wife I because they had to get a divorce. Yeah, you know her her doctor wife into in the end when it destroys her relationship with the. Overabundant secretary. secretary. <laughs> Overabundant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you just said that. Yes. Did you just say yes, that? Yes, I, I just oh, said okay. that. <laughs> but that's, I, I just think that her character is one of those that you, she's one of the good guys that you hate. Because is she a good guy? That's, I, that's the question that comes up. That's a great a question. Guy. Well, and, and here's another one for you. It, does she go through a change? Was she different at the end of the season than she was at the beginning? I don't think, I, 
I will say that she was she's in a different position. I don't think her character has changed, like the way she views things or the way she approaches things. But she is definitely in a different position at the end of the series than when she started. Like real, real cut up. <laughs> well, other than physically being cut up, <laughs> yeah, she's now she's gone from this source of power. She's the majority of Jessica's income. She's in this. She's in two relationships. She's the lead of this uh, law office to being. I have nobody. I have nothing other than just, you know, my my intellect here because I screwed things up. Right. Um, I wish I could talk more intelligently about Hogarth because she is incredibly fascinating, but I haven't thought enough about her to say, mm-hmm. you know, here are a bunch of great thoughts to chew on. I'm, I am barren. So on to Kilgrave. Yeah. Yes. Unless, Meg, you want to say something about Hogarth? No, I want to talk about Kilgrave. Oh, I thought you were going to say, no, I want to talk about her secretary because... Uh, <laughs> Ooh. No, Kilgrave. What? What? How what sad just, is this? What just happened? <laughs> this poor actress put in all this work to to be this. She did a character, great job. Did a great job and everything. And all we're sitting here going, I don't remember her name or anything, but she, I definitely remember. I'm pretty sure she had a face. She <laughs> knew what she was doing. Oh, I'm sure she did. <laughs> uh, no, seriously though, Kilgrave. Uh, maybe I'll just do that. Kilgrave, go. Man, Kilgrave. Yeah, what? right. So good. No, he was the most compelling villain. I've ever encountered. Really? In my extensive TV watching. It, it, we're, and we're counting, you know, a lot of Bachelor villains in here. <laughs> I mean, Tierra is a close close second. But yeah, Kilgrave. <laughs> Kilgrave takes the cake. No, seriously, that's a, a bold, that's a bold statement. It is a bold statement, and I mean it. Um, and I think part of what makes him as compelling as he was was the casting. Um, obviously, very talented actor. Um who has a very nice face, which really kind of tricks you, right? Like you see him and you're like, I'd have lunch with him or Mm -hmm. I'd tell him about my feelings and introduce him to my dog. And then he's this monster and it's... (laughs) Who doesn't know he's, or doesn't believe he's a monster. Like all good monsters. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he definitely holds into the great villain belief that what I'm doing is right. The difference between him and a lot of other villains, uh, I think those most villains we get introduced to, it's some sort of world domination. I'm going to subject everybody to my will and everything. And here we have a villain who could literally do that with just the way he speaks. He doesn't want that. Like, that's not what he's after. He's after the attention of the one person who he can't control. Well, yeah, and it's but he didn't meet her until, you know, fairly uh, not not late in life, like he's old, but you know, but he's, later he's lived a lot of life up to then. But before then, he still hadn't gone through and like he's not some great crime lord. He's not some you know CEO. He could have done a million different things with that power, and and all he has done is just simply he's done what a child would do who exactly. never been who That's had never been he's, disciplined. He's the epitome of selfishness. Do we know that he wasn't a monster before meeting her? Uh, oh no, we know that he was a monster. I mean, because was, oh, that you mean that he didn't try to take over the world? Yeah, I mean, what's I guess his not. history. Do we Good know? Point. We Com- know comic boy. All the uh, well, I can't speak for a comic, but in terms of the TV series, uh, we we know that he doesn't have any sort of additional presence. He doesn't have a following. He doesn't have anything like that because he's just bouncing from woman to woman. He's been just kind of getting what he wants, going wherever mm-hmm. he wants. That and I think that a lot of it comes from when we discover that his parents had abused were in the way he puts it abusing him and and you know neglecting him and he finally breaks out on his own. He's living the life that he's always that he always thought he wanted as a as a twelve year old boy or whatever, um, and he continues to live that life f- until he meets Jessica and then that his story changes. Um, I don't uh, again. There could be someone having an aneurysm right now because he's like no you don't understand Kilgrave had a huge underground following or whatever but um i don't think but we're dealing was, with the show not the comics so yeah i don't okay. i don't think that he was i'm not saying that no one ever died because of him but i will say i don't think that he was that he left that he left the trail of blood that he left in this series until then until jessica yeah huh yeah, because she really. Nothing, uh, the reason why I say that is because up till Jessica leaving him, he had never been denied what he wanted. There was no reason to go on a killing spree because ever, he had never been denied. 
uh, every once in a while a, a TV show or a movie will deal with this concept in a, a much more uh, frivolous way. But have you guys ever met in real life somebody who is so charming and so good looking that they really just got what they wanted? Yes. Yeah. Isn't it just the most annoying it's thing so in the worst. world? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just the worst. Terrible. Uh, but yeah, I wonder because even those people must deal with that at some point. You know, you say the wrong thing or you lose your looks for some reason, and suddenly your world all, comes crumbling. Yeah, you can follow a number of stories of people who have kind of gone off the deep end, and a lot of it traces back to a moment when they all of a sudden realize that their easy ticket or whatever they lost was not there anymore, or they come to the realization that everything that they thought was genuine and valuable didn't matter because it wasn't that. It was just them being given. Because Kilgrave talks about that, how he, can you imagine what life would be like never knowing that if anyone was ever doing anything for you because they actually wanted to um, or that they cared, it was always, you had to always assume that it was something that, you know, that you had told them to do, that you were forcing them to do. I think that would, I don't want to pretend for one minute that I actually sympathize or understand Kilgrave on that level but I can almost I think a lot of us can almost almost sympathize with that until you see the blood trail until you see the the number of bodies behind him and then you're like yeah I can understand being not feeling like someone's being genuine with me but I can't understand killing them for it see I can't even understand feeling like people aren't being genuine with him because the whole thing is he has to tell someone what to do right and mm-hmm. sure like he'd have to watch his words but he could learn how to speak in a way that was not telling people what to do and then he wouldn't have that concern worrying about whether or not everyone was just pleasing well, him because he had told them to do something he talks to her about that in I don't the scene in my head is playing in the apartment when she's in the yellow dress, but that's the old scene. I want to say he talks about it when he's in her house, after he's bought her house. Yeah. And he said, and he tells her something along the lines of, do you know how hard it is to have to be to be aware of every word you say, knowing that anything you say will make something happen, whatever? And so he does. He is aware. I, I do. I think he is aware of exactly what it is and how closely he has to choose his what he says. But it's not like he exercises a lot of caution. No. He, he hasn't even made an attempt to control it. Because he lacks the, I think he lacks the moral compass that that would tell him that that's not right to do. Um, for him, it, the reward has always been there. You know, he doesn't yeah. have the moral compass that says, oh, you shouldn't do that because it's a bad thing. Well, I get what I want. Why is it a bad thing? Yeah. Yeah, I've often asked myself that. Oh, except I don't get what I want. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, so Jessica is the first person to negate his power uh, in what is a very, very slowly unfolding scene across the entire season. Uh, the scene with, is it the bus? Uh, when, so she mm-hmm. she kills the woman who Kilgrave was controlling. He was controlling both of them. He tells Jessica, get rid of her because they had gotten what he wanted. And take care of her. Ta- oh, yeah, take care of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jessica apparently interprets that as kill her. So he punches her, she punches her. And then I'm trying to remember, she walks away. Kilgrave says, stop or come back. And she doesn't, at least not right away. And, and this raises questions about Jessica's character and whether she's, whether she chose to kill this person, uh, whether she was choosing to be influenced by Kilgrave the whole time, or if there was something in that act of murder that snapped, uh, severed her, uh, his hold over her. I don't know. What do you guys think uh, happened there? Why was she able to resist him? It's actually what I, I was just. And I have a I have up. a comic theory. A comic theory. Yeah, I learned about this, but I, I want you guys to go first. Well, I was actually just looking like trying to figure that out. Um, because that question popped up in my head a couple minutes ago. And I don't know offhand. I'm trying to find a good answer to to that. Um, I, I can do my comic theory if you want. I, I don't know that I have an answer, but I do want to talk about how later in this season she accuses him of making her murder mm-hmm. uh, Luke's wife. And he says, I didn't tell you to kill her. I told you to take care of her. And how manipulative is that? Well, but I wonder... Two, if he, if that's what he meant. And if he didn't mean for her to kill her, what does that mean 
in his control of people, does he have to be that specific to tell them exactly what to do? What in her mind, even though it was being controlled, interpreted that as right. kill her? Does that make sense? No, it's uh, it's an old linguistic question about uh, sentence meaning and speaker meaning. Yeah. And, and what does it actually mean? So, and What take, does that mean when your mind is being controlled? Yeah, there you go. There's another level to it. Yeah, take care of her literally means... Well, to to care for her, yeah. right? But uh, but the speaker meaning the way that almost anybody would interpret that is killer, at least in that situation, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I don't know. Um, apparently, according to some people on the webs, the interwebs that I read, one of her character traits or one of her superpowers is healing. Uh, and so it's not that she can't get hurt. Like Luke Cage has impenetrable skin and all that. She can definitely get hurt, but she has quick healing powers. One of the ways that this apparently manifests itself is by how much she can drink. Um. Uh, and so where we might be tempted to see an alcoholic, she's actually not that drunk. Yeah, you know, her body is handling that stuff much faster than normal. So the theory is... That after a while, they, because it's stated that his ability to control people is through these, was it like microbes or pheromones or something uh, that that he emits when he speaks. And, and that's why he can't control somebody over the phone or over a microphone, right? Uh, they have to be present with him. And so she's under the influence of all these, uh, th- this chemical reaction that he's causing within her. And eventually her body catches up and the healing property kicks in and, oh. uh, and she's able to throw off the influence, uh, which I thought was interesting from a comic perspective. But they, you know, like many things, they didn't make it clear. And I, I wasn't sure that I would have ever caught that on my own. Yeah. I th- and I think it's... You know, props to them actually for leaving some things unanswered like that because it makes for a good discussion and it doesn't, uh, it's not a detriment to the story to not know how. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I can see that and uh, I've just barely hopped on a couple of forums to see what other people are saying and they're saying a similar thing. Like, You're so fast. It drives me crazy. The, uh, you know, this whole immunity, you know, building up an immunity to his virus deal. You know what? I'm I'm okay if you're inclined to believe that what he asked her to do was just finally against her grain enough that she broke and her super, you know, her longevity as a superhero allowed her to walk away and be a defender. I'm totally okay with that too. I kind of like that. The romantic in me likes the, you know, it's her soul that's like, no, I I will not murder, even though she did, but that was her breaking point. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I just did something that's so against who I am. It snaps the connection, and she's able to walk away. Yeah, I do think it's interesting. I I, I also prefer answers like that. You know, it's the whole midi chlorian thing. Like, <laughs> right, f you, man. There's no midi chlorians. I don't know if you know what we're talking. about. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, this is so amazing to have such a non nerd in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, where were we? Something about midi chlorians. I'm panicking. So I, I want to. <laughs> Actually, it, I I know we're talking about Jessica, but we're still kind of on the Jessica Kilgrave thing. I really wanted to say how much I appreciate them taking the character who we refer to as Kilgrave. His name in the comics, it is uh, Zebediah. Zebediah. Zebediah oh. Kilgrave or something like that. Which aside, aside from the name Kilgrave being like equivalent to Mount Doom or, you know, Death Gun type thing. I actually, I was glad they made fun of it in the show because I was like, wow, that is on the nose, yeah. guys. Try harder. Uh, well, welcome, to, welcome to comics in general. But his character is known as the Purple Man. In the comics, he has a purple tone. Like he, everything about him is purple. His skin, everything is purple. And they, rather than going with a special effect and creating another villain like the Red Skull in Captain America or doing anything like that, they said, hey, let's use cinematography and just tone things purple, you know, his his outfits. And so you, especially at the beginning when you don't see him much, you still see his effect because of the purple in the series. Right. And I, I appreciated that a lot as uh, uh, from the, on the, cinematog- on the cinematography side of things, that they didn't beat you over the head with you know, this character and just simply said, here's a few breadcrumbs. Here's a few nice little things to see that will tell you when his uh, his uh, 
effect is in, in place. Yeah, I think that's how you make good TV is to always strive for subtlety. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd say that's usually the case. I don't know. I'd, I'd hesitate to say that's always the case. Sometimes subtlety for, is not called for. For a good fiction that borders on reality. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we move on to Jessica, though, as long as we're talking about great names, no fictional name will ever hold a candle to uh, the man, the uh, the South African businessman who wanted to uh, take over Set Blatter's position with FIFA. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yes. His name is Tokyo Sex Whale. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Try keeping a straight face after that one. His name is Tokyo Sex Whale. I'm not kidding. I just had to throw that out there. Uh, yeah, so I so authors are now allowed to go crazy and name characters whatever they want because they will never come up with anything ever as good as Tokyo Sex Whale. It's not going to happen. I, even Fatty Bulger is not as good. <laughs> I'm glad you remember that because that's what's <laughs> coming to my mind. Even Fatty Bulger is not as good as Tokyo Sex Whale. Uh, anyway... So, Jessica. That dangerously is now in my Google search <laughs> history. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, what's this Tokyo sex whale? What are you getting into? Oh, boy. Uh, it has to do with soccer, honey. Don't worry about it. <laughs> is, is, Jessica, is Jessica a brooding character? Is that how we're characterizing I her? I was, yeah. I... She was probably my least favorite. Really? Yeah. Like I, out of out of everybody or out of the three or four main characters? Out of everybody. And it's weird because I really like Kristen Ritter. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it was her. I think it was the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just... Like, I get it. Terrible things have happened to her. But... End of thought. Terrible things have happened to her, but I don't think she <laughs> has to be that over the top broody and maybe that's my problem it was over the top i think that we treat uh because i feel very similar to you here with um with jessica in the sense that i don't deal well with normal real people who don't want to try and i feel that at the beginning especially the first few episodes she doesn't want to try she's just an alcoholic trying to get the next you know enough money to pay her rent and get the next drink like, that's what her life consists of at the beginning. And I have no sympathy for her being tr- stuck in that cycle. Um, Living with a broken door when a psychopath is trying to kill her. I was like, fix your door. Yeah. At the very Get least, together. fix your door. And install a hot tub, for heaven's sake. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I know there's going to be someone out there who's like, well, why does she need to? She's got superpower. Whatever, but well, there, there's a psychopath out there trying to find you. Um, I think... For every title that I have read about Jessica Jones being, you know, the character that we, the superhero we needed or the hero that we all needed and the best one hit television, I don't feel that she's as, that she's relatable enough to the average person. I think that the topics that are addressed in the series absolutely are things that are, should be part of the uh, collective conscience that we should be discussing that are things that need to be addressed. But I don't think that Jessica is necessarily this pinnacle of the greatest things that make a hero sure i i think one thing that it's uh that is necessary to keep in mind is the type of show that we're watching uh like i mentioned in my intro this is a superhero show with a big fat asterisk right in front of it uh yeah right i'm a five-year-old who laughs every time you're like (laughs) giant asterisk (laughs) (laughs) uh but it's this is film noir at yeah. least that's the base. And film noir, if it's nothing else, it is melodramatic. Oh, yeah. And so I, I'm sure as they were saying to themselves, okay, we're going to make noir, the director says, well, we can't just have an upset character. You know, it's like when you were directing uh, your last show, Ryan, mm-hmm. it was uh, a farce. And so you're like, everybody, this is not real life. This is a farce. Turn it up to 11. Yeah. Right. And so I imagine something like that was going on. Now, that may not be to your taste, uh, and that's I have no problem with that. I I certainly didn't enjoy every second of it, but you know, it th- fits. This is it's noir, right? Yeah, I I won't argue that it does that it um, that it doesn't fit because it does fit with noir. Um, and sadly, I I don't know a ton about noir. It's not a, a genre that I'm well entrenched in. And sadly, the most noir thing that we've had in the recent years is Sin City. 
oh, the sure. movies, the Sin City movies, uh, because those are excessively noir, like comic book noir styling. And um, that's not what the old noir styling was. You know, the little that I do know about it, it it's a good homage, but it's it's made noir. Caricature. Yeah, a yeah little there bit. you go. Um, so I do think Jessica, like all the characters fit in the noir setting. So here's my question with that. All of these characters are destined for the Defender series, which is not a noir. How do you translate a noir character into a non-noir setting? Well, I mean, it, you look at the look at the Avengers. They're all they are all very different, and their movies were uh, at least different enough. Um, you know, you look at Captain America versus uh, now the Hulk is a bad example. <laughs> uh, Captain America versus uh, Iron Man. Like, they were somewhat different movies, especially the first Captain America. Yeah, I mean, the first Captain America is, it was supposed to be a war movie, and it, it is. Right. It is very much. So anyway, but they, you know, they managed, and that's part of the charm of the Avengers movies, is you, you grab all these really disparate characters and put them together and see what happens, right? I think it, I, the only thing that I can think of, and I'm really hoping that they can write it well, is you need to, all these characters need some common enemy or some common goal to unite them. That's why the, you know, this group like the Avengers, that's not supposed to work well together because they be, all have egos. Can and it everything. be Vincent D'Onofrio? I would love the Kingpin to be that. Oh, you yeah. know, to bring uh, Daredevil, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. Um, I think those are the four. Pretty sure those are the four that are in the Defenders. There might be a couple others. Captain Marvel, Punisher? I don't know if they're going to. Oh, Punisher. I don't know if Punisher sure is yeah, a Defender anyway. or not. But anyway, we have those are the four series that we're getting before the Defenders. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, um, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Right. Um, so we know at least those four are part of it. I think that if there's a decent enough something to coalesce around for them, we'll be able to overlook the fact that, you know, this that is a she noir. came from noir. Yeah, and her yeah. character hopefully will have gone through enough to make her change enough to fit inside of another genre as well. Yeah. Because season two, I don't know that they can... I, how are I, they going to fit my that? Guess, my guess is that season two will have just as dire consequences as season one. You know, there's some madman on the loose, killing people, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I bet it will be more lighthearted now I that hope, now that Kilgrave isn't around. I hope that she returns to the Jessica Jones we get a brief glimpse of when she meets Trish for like happy hours. She's just quit her job maybe. Oh yeah. And they're at the bar and she kind of jokes with the guy that she can win the strength and she's just really sardonic and really snarky. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> excuse me. That I can deal with. Um, a snarky brooding character, sure, but when it's just straight brooding what was me, that's where I get it's exhausted. It, does, it doesn't mean it's not real, but it is taxing to have to deal with that. And that's right. true in real life. You deal with someone who's always talking about how bad their life is, how difficult it is. It gets emotionally wearing on you to have to deal with that person. Watching the show was exhausting. Like, oh, yeah. I was relieved when we finished. It was great, but... that's That, that exactly describes many of my favorite shows. Breaking uh, Bad. Breaking Bad is numero uno. I would throw yeah. the shield in there. The shield was uh, amazing. Even Mad Men, I was yeah. like, get your act together, Don. I can't <laughs> put up with your nonsense anymore. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, any other Jessica thoughts, or should we wrap this bad boy up? Mm. Yeah, we're good? No, I think we're good. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got like eight more bullet points, but uh, we'll skip them. Maybe uh, we'll make Ryan write something up for tvjelly.com. Please. Fine. Yeah, all right. Fine. He's committed, ladies and gentlemen. Peer pressure. Uh, no, thank you, everybody, for uh, for tuning in. And uh, I'll say it one more time. Go to tvjelly.com, but only if you like comedy. <laughs> uh, if you don't. Uh, well, no, like we said, there are some contributors who you can still read. Uh, no, we, we've had a good time. Uh, and, I, again, go to worldswithoutend.com. Sign up for the Brandon Sanderson Reading Challenge. I think the first book is we're continuing with Mistborn. Uh, next month we're going to be law. reading Alloy of Law. Uh, so that, that'll be my first time reading it, which I've held off. Just for the sake of this podcast, I took one for you, dear listener. I sacrificed 
he'll hold this over you for the rest of your life so just ignore it <laughs> yeah that's probably not true um anyway no thanks again for listening everybody we will see you uh in about a week or so when we air our wish song of shannara episode are you gonna sing was that newsies open the ill action sees the day (laughs) well at least we know ryan read the book that is a relief uh ladies and gentlemen have a great week we will talk to you later the legendarium podcast is sponsored by audible the world's leading source of audiobooks Follow along with our current series or enjoy some of the classics by visiting thelegendarianpodcast.com where you can sign up for your free trial membership. Click the sponsor link on our website for a free audiobook.